0: Hi, this is Pastor Craig. Thank you for tuning in for the latest episode of my podcast. I hope you enjoy it. You can contact us at studyhiswordministries at yahoo.com. Thanks again. All right, we are in Ephesians chapter 4. Starting in Ephesians chapter 4, as I've mentioned previously, the first three chapters of the letter to the church at Ephesus was real heavy in doctrine. The last three chapters, chapters 4, 5, and 6, which we're going to start now, is where Paul gets down to what does that doctrine look like when applied to the life of a Christian, how it is that you should look and live as a Christian based on what he's already told us. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So Paul starts out, he says, I therefore, therefore being that everything that I've told you up to this point, now I'm going to tell you more. That's the therefore is, okay? I've told you all this, now this is what it's gonna look like. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul was in prison at the time that he wrote this, and he was in prison for sharing the gospel because of him being an apostle for Christ. So he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. That word beseech means to call to one's side, to beg, to implore. The point being is... It's, when he says, I beseech you, it's not just, I'm asking you to do this. It's, it's very forceful. He's begging. He's imploring. He's wanting someone to do something. And that's what that, the emphasis there, beseech. Turn to Philippians 1.9. Well, you know, the, he talks about there in Philippians. I, I, I apologize. I've got a, got a bad reference there. But he does talk about in Philippians there about um, being in chains. And being in chains for Christ. And that is, that's how he starts out here. Um, So, Paul, he doesn't, what he doesn't do is when he says, therefore, I beseech you as an apostle, because there are times in his letters where he does put out his apostolic authority and say, as an apostle of Christ, this is what I'm telling you. Here he's saying it as a prisoner of Christ. And it, it really puts him on a real personal level. With the people that he's writing to, the fact that he says, "I Paul, prisoner of Christ," he's not pulling his apostolic authority. He's putting himself on a level that they could relate to. It's much more personal that way. All right, First um, Corinthians chapter seven, verses twenty-two and twenty-three. Paul says here, "For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman." Likewise, he is called while free, is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. that's Paul's point, is being a prisoner of Christ, he's owned by Christ. It's like being a slave to Christ. He was bought for a price. And so that, that being a prisoner of Christ, being bought by Christ, where he says, Beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Paul's saying, you were called to serve the Lord. You were called to bring glory to the Lord, so therefore walk worthy of it. Why walk worthy of it? Because as he says in Corinthians, you were purchased for a price. And the price that we were purchased for is Christ's life on the cross. His blood is what purchased us. So that's what Paul's saying here. Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called because you were bought for a price. Some translations, it says um, walk worthy in the vocation for which you were called. Now, we have a tendency to think of that word vocation, meaning uh, what we do for a living, our job or our employment, whatever. And that's not really a good translation because in the original Greek, it does say worthy of the calling for which you were called. Christ didn't pay his, a price on the cross For me to be a truck driver or he didn't, you know, pay a price on the cross for someone to be a school teacher. He paid a price on the cross for us to be called to serve him, to walk like him. So that's Paul's point here. Um, And then he gets in verse 2 describing what this walk will look like. He says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering Bearing with one another in love. So he he mentions four aspects of our walk here. And I want to spend a little time talking about these. Because they're words that we're all familiar with, but they're words that we can overlook. Because these are very, very important pictures of a Christian, what our walk looks like. First he says, with all lowliness. Lowliness would translate to humility. Humility and lowliness. Humility and lowliness is how you view yourself. Turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 verses 18 and 19, Paul says, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. So that's, that's one picture of it is, is lowliness or humility. It's having a proper perspective on yourself. It's when you're putting other people first as opposed to yourself. The, the best description of it is a lack of pride because after all, what is pride? Pride is when I want to brag about myself. Pride is when I want to take glory in what I have done pride is when I esteem myself higher than others. So the opposite of pride is humility. Humility is to have that lack of pride. And that's what Paul's saying. That is what the walk of a Christian is going to look like. In, in Ephesians, Paul's saying to walk in lowliness or humility. In Acts, Paul is saying this is how I lived. When I was among you, you saw how I lived. That's what he's saying in Acts 20. So it's It's an example of Paul doing what he tells us as Christians we should be doing. It's an example of him uh, exhibiting his faith. It's him walking the walk, as we would say. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than oneself. That's a perfect description on what lowliness or humility is. It's when you esteem others better than yourself. It's when you do things not out of selfish ambition. When we do things out of selfish ambition, that's selfishness and that's pride. So that's what Paul's saying here. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 26, Paul says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. That's exactly what happens when we have pride in our lives and that we become conceited, we become envying, and it provokes other people. So again, he's showing both sides of it, what it's like to have humility, and what it's like when you don't have humility. One last uh, picture to look at, Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verses 27 and 28, and this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So we have Christ exactly himself telling us that he came not to be served, even though he came as the King of the Jews, came as the messiah he didn't come to be served but he came to serve and that's our model that's our picture of living in humility and loneliness is to serve others and not to consider ourselves to be served okay second thing paul says here uh, in ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 is gentleness 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 is also translated as meekness. Now, a lot of different thoughts about that word meek. Meek often is used in the context of um, timid or powerless or weak. And that word meekness means the exact opposite. It has nothing to do with timidness or weakness or any of that. The literal meaning of that word meekness is power under control, power under control, turn to uh, Titus chapter 3, Titus chapter 3 verse 2, he says, speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men, there's that gentle again, that meekness What it is, it's when we are mild-spirited and self-controlled. It has everything to do with how we are around other people, how we treat other people, regardless of the situation that we're in. We're mild-spirited and we're self-controlled. Now, I mentioned that that word meekness really means power under control. Let me give you a couple examples of people that were described as being meek, but yet we see their power that they have, that they controlled. Turn to Numbers chapter 12, all the way back in your Old Testament. Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. And actually, in the um, original, in in King James, in the original Hebrew, it, it uses that word meek to describe Moses. Moses is described as a meek individual. We know that he wasn't timid, and we know that he wasn't weak. He just had power under control. All one has to do is think about when Moses came down from the mountain with the commandments on the tablets. And he saw the golden idol that they had built, and out of his anger, what did he do? He broke the tablets. But see, here's the thing: it was a righteous anger because he saw how they had blasphemed God. Another example of an individual who's described as being meek, uh, but it's power under control, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, who's being de- who's described as meek, but yet we see his power righteous anger when he goes into the temple and throws out the money changers and so that's the whole idea of the meekness is that a person is gentle but they have power that they can control and you don't see that power until it is legitimately used and I say legitimately used because the kind of anger that we should demonstrate as Christians is when God is blasphemed, when God is offended. The things we get angry about is when, is when we've been offended or when we've been wronged. But that's not the right kind of anger. That's the anger that lots of times causes us to sin. But the things that should anger us are the righteous anger when God is offended. We see that with Christ. When He went into the temple... They had taken the temple and they were using it to make money and to do all their commerce with no regard to the God. We saw that with Moses when he came down and saw that they were worshiping this, you know, golden idol. There again, it was, you know, blasphemy to God. So that's a righteous kind of anger. That was when they demonstrated the power that they had. Now, Moses, you see his control of power when he's dealing with the people of Israel. You know, this, you know, Moses had many situations where the people of Israel were, you know, causing all kinds of problems and causing him problems. And he had to settle all their disagreements and everything. So he was able to control himself and deal with the people in a gentle sort of way. And that's what meekness is. Self-controlled, mild-spirited, and yet you still have that power, but you have your power under control. The third quality that Paul writes about here in verse 2 is long-suffering. Long-suffering is patience. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, And be patient with all. And that's what long suffering is it's being patient. And notice Paul says in there to be patient with all. And let's face it, we all have people that really test our patience. But we must also keep in mind that there are probably people out there that we test their patience at times. So understanding that God is a picture of patience. God is a picture of long suffering, that's our example. It's our example to be patient with all, especially those that test our patience. We're not perfect individuals, and therefore it's upon us to have patience with others who are not perfect individuals. James chapter 5 several times tells us to be patient. He tells us in verse 7 be patient, in verse 8 to be patient, in verse 10 says, my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Part of having patience is having proper expectations. And proper expectations are understanding that things happen in God's timing. And lots of times things don't happen in our timing. But if we have the proper understanding that it happens in the timing that God wants it to have, then we can have some patience. We have a tendency to want things to happen in our time, but God, God sees the big picture that we don't see. And so a lot of the things that we don't have patience for is because we don't see the big picture. So part of having patience is a proper expectation knowing that it's not our timetable. The fourth Attribute that Paul says or actually command is bearing with one another in love. The first three things he talked about: lowliness, which is humility, gentleness, which is meekness, long-suffering, all three of those are curbs on our pride. And so when we're able to curb our pride, when we're able to have patience with others, when we're able to be gentle with others. When we're able to serve others, that's what allows us to bear with one another. As Paul says here, he says, um, bearing with one another in love. Because it's our love that we have for others that we're able to bear with them. Whatever it is that they're going through. You know, it can be a lot of different things that we have to bear with one another. It can be health issues it can be financial issues it can be personality issues it can be strife in families i mean there's all different kinds of trials and tribulations and stuff that we deal with on a daily basis and so you know it's through love it's through having the proper curbs on our own pride that we're able to see the other person's struggles in life and situations in life And that we're able to come along beside them. Because that's what really this bearing with one another is, is that you come along beside them. And that you're there for them in whatever way that they need you. And we have to realize that when we're bearing along with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're all at different stages and different levels in our Christian maturity. And we're all at different places in our Christian walk. And so that's you know that's part of the, the having patience is to be able to come alongside a weaker brother or a weaker sister and understand where they are in their walk and able to bear with them whatever it is that they're going through and, and to have that patience with them. Say, and then in verse 3 he says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that's kind of the ending of that statement because that's what the purpose is. Of all of that is, is that we are one body in Christ. And so he's saying that our goal is to keep the unity of the Spirit, keep the body of Christ unified, keep us together. Um, you know, one of the sad things about the church is that we do have so many different denominations and so many different factions and so many different divisions that we're not a unified body of Christ. And a lot of the differences we have within the church between denominations and that has to do with not having patience, not having meekness, not having humility. It's I'm right and you're wrong. Or we're gonna do it this way and not that way. And that's how we have disunity is by not esteeming others higher than ourselves and things like that. And that's what Paul's saying here. He says, you know, that is the goal of this kind of a walk in life is to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace so that we can work together as the body of Christ. And that's the whole purpose and the goal is to be one body in Christ. Thanks again for listening please make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you will not miss a single episode of our podcast. Have a great day.